Welcome to another edition of Chatting with Ingram, or as I've said beforehand, it's Ingram chatting with you because I'm looking at what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And, and as we're sitting here waiting to see what the next move is going to be, you know, we see some Western press coverage um, looking at the potential escalation of the conflict, uh, searching for that immediate headline that they can get up in tomorrow morning's papers or to get out onto the broadcast networks immediately, examining every little statement that uh, seems to be coming out from whatever source uh, to report an opinion or to try and suggest that our wider analysis and therefore our politicians must be wrong because sensationalism is driving a lot of things. That can be quite dangerous. There's two things, I think, for the listeners you need to recognise in military operations. Military operations are not continuous even in your planning phase and all the rest of it, there are long periods where little or nothing happens. You can have days of inactivity um, and there can be many different causes for that. The weather might not be right for what you need to do. Politicians are still debating what to do. Key capabilities have problems which must be fixed and you have to wait for the right spares to come from the right place. Uh, final rest days um, have been allocated prior to launch of offensive operations or you're consolidating in position before packing up and going home. Any of these issues or others could uh, cause delays uh, to today's or tomorrow's sensational headlines. The second thing is, we, as we see the build-up, uh, the mil military build-up, is the military don't decide where to go and when to go. If Russia further invades Ukraine, remember it first invaded in 2014, it's not a military decision to do it. It's a political decision. Military forces are merely a political tool used to reinforce diplomacy in the first case, deterrence, that's what NATO does. It reinforces the diplomatic efforts that are going in. Or then to clear up the mess when diplomacy fails. Um, you know, from Putin's perspective, his diplomacy is trying to get NATO to stand down and put assurances against um, Ukraine joining NATO and a number of other unacceptable things. When his diplomacy fails, his military are the tool that he'll use to try and clear the mess up but they'll create more of a mess in the way that they do it. Military personnel are essentially the same all over the world. The last thing that most professional military personnel actually want to do is to put their profession into action because they know the horrors that come with it. person who will decide if and when those horrors begin in the Ukraine-Russia crisis is Vladimir Putin. And he's unlikely to delegate that go, no-go decision to anyone else. So what's stopping Vladimir Putin from saying go at the moment? Well, the first thing that's occupying his mind is that oh, he's really enjoying the ride. You know, he's playing with the West. He's loving being centre stage with world leaders who are queuing up to visit him or speak to him on the phone. He's playing them like a fisherman plays a prize salmon on the hook. The conference table games that we've seen where some meetings are from opposite ends of a huge table while others are side by side with just a coffee table between them. The deliberate inflammatory or inaccurate remarks he puts in joint press calls after these meetings trying to provoke and trying to stimulate and more. But he's not just doing this for fun. Every moment, every nuance, every statement during and after by world leaders will be examined by Putin's team looking for sentiments that can be used to create or enhance political cracks inside other countries or between countries. And he's been playing Germany particularly well. Uh, and uh, the way he got Lavrov to deal with the British Foreign Secretary, Liz Truss, showed a real disdain for the UK. He will also be judging what the international reaction is likely to be if he does further invade Ukraine. 
one of the things you will register very quickly is an increased appetite for US and UK intelligence on Russian intent to be put into the public domain. If CNN reported earlier in the month that US officials alleged that Russia had been preparing to fabricate a pretext for an invasion of Ukraine by creating a very graphic propaganda video that would depict a fake attack by Ukraine against Russia. The US's disclosure of the alleged plot is the latest in a series of revelations designed to blunt the impact of any pretext Russia may use to invade Ukraine and comes after US officials warned Moscow could use a false flag operation to justify such an invasion. The Russian response was to play the US intelligence machine by uh, releasing intelligence that suggested the invasion was going to happen on February the 16th and then watch that play out in the press. And when it did play out in the Western press, they then ridiculed it. And that's exactly what... Uh, Russia's ambassador to the European Union, Vladimir Chizov, um, did whenever he denied suggestions that his country had any plans to attack Ukraine and said, wars in Europe rarely start on a Wednesday. It was a snipe at intelligence relations. Why the snipe? Simply to sow distrust in reports being attributed to US and UK intelligence. And it's probable that in the coming days we will hear references to the reliability of US and UK intelligence in the run-up to the Iraq war. He fed the headline machine. However, whilst all this is going on, the standard Russian playbook is trundling on. More capability is being deployed into higher readiness formations and positions on the border of the Ukraine, whilst Russian messaging is that their manoeuvres have finished and units are returning to barracks. This is standard Maskarovka, which is all about masking or deception, and is central to everything that they do. We have seen the first cyber attacks into Ukraine, but relatively unsophisticated at inconsequential targets. More worrying are the political moves by the chairman of the Russian state Duma when he called for discussion in the parliamentary body on recognising the independence of the Donbass region and a separation from Ukraine. Any formal recognition of the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic or uh, Lushank People's Republic in Donbass could be used as an excuse by Putin to invade and protect the people from a humanitarian perspective. This is what I refer to as the cost scenario where Putin tries to mimic NATO's reasoning for going into Kosovo. He's referenced Kosovo more than once in the recent past. An indicator of this coming to play um, are the claims that we've heard over the past day or so regarding claims of genocide and increased shelling in the Donbass region with a suggestion of Ukrainian shelling contrary to the Minsk protocol of 2015 designed to maintain the ceasefire. The genocide claims and what is being said around the shelling is again Maskarovka, standard playbook stuff. So what does this all mean? Well, the original analysis way back weeks ago um, was of potential attack dates not before the 20th of February when the Winter Olympics have finished, um, thereby not detracting from China's place on the world stage. Um, Putin does not want to have President Xi losing face. They're building up an unusual relationship at the moment and uh, he wouldn't want to do anything to undermine that. The continued deployment of Russian military capability keeps that date um, as the earliest go date distinctly possible. Uh, there needs to be a ramping up of Maskarovka, however, if um, he's going to do this and use the Kosovo excuse. So possible false flag incidents uh, or one major incident uh, combined with more cyber activity are likely to happen before Putin pushes the go button. Putin could, of course, de-escalate completely. Um, but I think he's backed himself into a bit of a corner. You know, the question that's going through his head is, can he trust the German Chancellor to keep his word if the German Chancellor actually did promise to stop Ukraine from joining NATO? Because he knows that um, if Ukraine does get into NATO, then he's got no hope of ever capturing and holding it. So now maybe his only window to continue the process started in 2014. But remember, Putin can think and act in very long time frames, salami slicing away parts of Ukraine over many, many years. 
I still believe Putin is looking for an excuse that he can sell to the international community uh, using another old Soviet tactic of Varano, which means to tell a lie without expecting it to be believed. But he will be gauging if he can consolidate the Donbass region under Russian military control with possibly a bigger buffer um, and get away with it in the international community's eyes. Threaten the whole of Ukraine, take a little piece and hope the world goes pew. Is that all? That sort of lie is told purely to save face, knowing it won't be challenged. And we saw this whenever RT interviewed Colonels Chepiga and Mishkin after the Salisbury Novichok poisoning, and they came out with their infamous Spire Height quote. Remember, he likes the Kosovo scenario. So I see President Putin is still sitting behind his grand desk in Moscow with a very large glass of best vodka on ice, stroking a white cat on his knee, knowing that he's got the world dancing to his tune, and he's loving it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please feel free to share and I look forward to bringing you some more insights um, very soon.